0: Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today is Sunday, June 19th. This morning, we were looking at the parable of the lost sheep. And so Pastor Joseph preached today, and he's joining me here as the guest on on the podcast today. So Joseph, welcome. Awesome. Great to be here. Well, hey, man, thanks for your thanks for your faithful uh, work both through Matthew's uh, parable of the lost sheep, so the account that's in Matthew's gospel, yes. and then the account that's in Luke's gospel. Yes. And uh, one of the things I appreciated, even even ahead of this, as you were preparing for it, you know, you and I were talking about it, and you said, "Hey, did you know that Matthew's account has a different focus than Luke's account? Right, right. One is towards." the the sheep uh, who are we would say believers right. right they jesus is speaking to the lost sheep of israel That's at right. that point so like they're in the fold yes but they're not faithfully in the fold That's right? right and then and then luke's account is uh, jesus is speaking to those or speaking about those who are outside of the fold That's who right. are truly spiritually Lost, and mm-hmm. so you unpacked unpacked both of those accounts for us, and so we're going to dive into some questions about the text here today, and about your sermon, and uh, or not questions about your sermon, questions that were raised from your I got sermon. You. Sounds right? good, right? Right? We're questioning Joseph's theology. Yes, today. please do that. <laughs> I have a heat lamp here. He is sweating. I am sweating <laughs> hot, or it could be ninety-five <laughs> or degrees. It could outside. just be Iowa summer. Yeah. You know, so speaking of which, so you guys moved here end of August last year. So yes. you're almost a full year here in Iowa. Yes. You've experienced Iowa fall. Oh, You've yeah. experienced Iowa winter. Mm. You've experienced, he loves Iowa winter, by the way. I, I don't. It's, I don't. His, gonna, it's his confession.
1: Confession, <laughs> uh, six months of winter, that, that's not good. And I was told that anyone that endures one Midwest winter gets an extra crown in heaven. I'm going to... Holy, take
0: that! I'm pretty sure it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Take that. So you've endured, or you experienced Iowa spring?
1: No, I don't think you guys had spring. It went straight <laughs> from winter to summer. So I think it snowed on Easter, which was a new thing for us. It did, yes. It was a yeah. first time we had a white Easter. It was awesome. We but did we did like not it. have a white Christmas. We did not have a white Christmas, but that's okay. That's okay. But yeah. we had a white January through February. It was very white. Yeah. yeah, it was. There was a lot of snow. A lot of coldness. Yeah. I, I felt negative thirty for the first time. <laughs> my face hurt. Parts of my body hurt that aren't yep. supposed to. Yep. But we endured. We yeah. persevered. Yeah. And we are we're enjoying summer. And I promise that I wouldn't say the H word, no matter how hot. high the temperatures <laughs> get. So if you hear me say ha, it's gonna be happy meal, not it's, hot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so hot. No, no, that's no, no, no. not it's it's nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I always I always joke with Danielle, my wife, I always say, you know, February's coming. February's That's coming. True. When we're in the middle of the dog days of August, oh yeah. February's coming. Sure. It's going to be cold again. <laughs> I was talking to some native iowans last week and they were melting and
1: they were really having a hard time. Yeah. And I'm thinking this is so nice compared to February. Uh-huh, so, I'm uh-huh. I'm good. We're going we're going to endure. We're, we've been at the pool, we're hanging out, doing some camping. So, we're good. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, so today one of the first questions that I wanted to talk about here out of the, out of your uh, your sermon was in the Matthew text, you talked about the importance of confession. Yes. And so um so uh, again, the parable is given, um, which I love by the way, I don't know, as we've been as I've been reading through all of the parable passages that we've been in, yeah, or are going to be in in the summer here in our summer teaching series. Man, Jesus doesn't mince words. No he's,
1: he's straightforward.
0: I, I I know like sometimes I, I come to the parable of lost sheep with the, I mean, you think of, if you grew up in the church, there was probably this iconic Jesus as the, the mild meek shepherd. Yeah. Right. And so, um, which, which is not wrong. There is this very tender nature to God. And, uh, and yet, yet at the same time, a shepherd was not a Tenderly was not a mild or a meek profession. That's a rough profession. Yeah,
1: you're, you're beating up animals that are trying to get the sheep. You're you're walking around with a shepherd staff t- to hit things. Yeah,
0: so it's you got to be tough. You are you you are a rough and tumble dude, right? Yes. I mean, so it's a dangerous occupation. Not only are you Uh, worried about wild animals trying to eat these dumb sheep that wander all over, which I love the way you just opened up and gave us a a background of of sheep. How many sheep in Iowa versus
1: pigs, by the way? 160,000 sheep, 28 million pigs, Uh, according
0: to the USDA. Yeah. (laughs) There might be a few more. Yeah. (laughs) It seems low. (laughs) They're not on the record, <laughs> but, uh, so I mean, so sheep aren't smart, right they'll they'll right. wander they'll wander off. I think you noted like even when they eat grass all the way down to the dirt, they'll start eating dirt. Yes. they'll start eating sticks, right. like they are they're they are they're unpretentious about their food source, they'll just eat to their detriment, right? Yeah. And so this idea of a shepherd is one that is you're protecting the sheep from themselves. Mm. you're protecting the sheep from these wild animals that yes. are. Trying to, to get a, get an easy snack because sheep are, they can't defend themselves. They've got no natural defense and against people who are going to try to rob you out in the wilderness, out, you know, in the Judean countryside there. And, um, So it's a dangerous occupation. So that really kind of I appreciate how you brought that into into perspective here. Because when Jesus, when we see think of Jesus as shepherd, it's not just this meek, mild holding this little lamb. Right. You know, there's part of that, but there's this strength that Jesus is offering us of himself. Sure. And um, and part of part of the shepherd's job is correction, part of the shepherd's job is protection. And one of those aspects is that of confession. Right? The shepherd calls us out of our sin. So you talked about, talk about confession. So here's a question. How do I make confession a normal part of my everyday walk with Jesus? Yeah, I, I think the way to do it is just incorporate it as part of your prayer
1: life. So mm, there's yeah. a, a pretty common way to pray. It's called Acts, Yep, and it's adoration, and the second part is confession. So yeah. first we adore God and talk about his attributes, and then yeah. once we've put him on where he needs in an exalted place, then we confess our sin. We confess the things that we have done against God and against others, and and then we really get into a place of saying who who we are, how we need him, how we love him, yeah, right? and just really getting to the heart of confessing. Just yeah, get it all out.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I appreciate that, right? So I actually love the Acts model uh, for prayer. I think True. it helps keep me focused. Right. I don't know about you. Often when I go to prayer, I get distracted <laughs> i close my eyes and i start thinking about everything but being with jesus sure you know or, or yeah. but speaking to my father in heaven yeah and listening to my father in heaven right prayer is not just talking to god it's also listening uh listening to god listening yes. to get a, a you know a, vo- a word from god yes. right and so um so i appreciate acts it helps keep me organized right and I don't rush to. So supplication is the very last thing. That's where you're asking God for things, right? Yes. You're, you're giving him your request. It's the very last movement of that prayer model, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because what's my first movement typically? Give me what I need. Oh, hey, Help. God, by the way, yeah. will you do this? Which is yeah. not bad. God, we've already seen um, in Matthew's gospel, um, Jesus said, ask. Right. Ask your Father in heaven. Right, he's good. He's yes. going to give you good things. He's going right. to answer your prayers. So God wants to hear from you, and He wants to hear your requests. Sure. Um, but we got to bounce that, balance that out, mm. and so because we so lean into the request side, um, so building it into our prayer life. So Joseph, how do you how do you do that? Is it just a confessing the things that you already know about? Um, how do we how do we grow in our even our awareness of not just our need for confession, but the things that we need to confess?
1: Yeah, so I I confess the things that I'm aware of, mm-hmm. but I also kind of have a prayer that's like David, search my heart, O Lord. Yeah, and just bring things to my mind that I may not even be thinking of. Yeah, because I can be so distracted and focused on things that I think are godly things. Yeah, but then things will creep in, and then God reveals it through the Holy Spirit and says, No, yeah. no, no, this is different than where I want you to be. Yeah, and then whenever He brings that to a realization, I confess that too. Yeah, and then I also do a, a prayer occasionally of. Lord, I confess the things that I don't even know that I'm doing. Yeah, it's almost not like a blanket safety prayer, (laughs) but it's a confession that my depravity is so deep and Mm -hmm. my 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 sin is so deep that I may not even know that I'm doing it. Yeah, and I want to confess that too, and He'll be faithful to reveal it in the right time.
0: Yeah, no, I I love I love that approach there, and I think for you know for myself. Often when I find myself in a season of confession, you yeah. know, or those kind of things, it be, it reorients, it begins to reorient my heart. Yes. And whether it's in that moment or it's moments later, I'll often hear the spirit, like just, here's the way I always describe the spirit, that, that conscience voice in the back of your sure. head. I used to tell students in middle school, you know, the one that sounds like your mom. Yeah. I, it's not your mom. It's the Holy Spirit. Sure. If you're a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit yeah. and it's God speaking to you. And so. Um, what I'll often, you know, uh, a circumstance, something with my kids, right? Maybe a situation I didn't handle well or with a coworker or just even in in going through normal life, right? Um, I'll have, the spirit will begin to remind me or convict me and go, Hey, maybe you didn't handle that as Mm -hmm. well as you could have. Sure. Or as, or as God honoring as it should have been. right? Right. And so then begins a prompt back to me and go, okay, well, I need to go apologize and make it right to whomever I offended, right? So whether it's my kids, my wife, somebody I work with, maybe my neighbor, you know, if I can do that, or just to simply say, father, forgive me, right? Right? If I can't go make restitution, if I can't go and reconcile with that person, then the more that I entered that pattern of confession, even as you said, like as David's prayers at Psalm 19, uncover Mm -hmm. the hidden things in me, right? Um, Uncover the sins that I don't even know about. Often it, comes to me it's my thought life mm-hmm. or my attitude sure you know um, and, and and so that's what I, I often find the Holy Spirit starts to uncover in me in those moments yeah and I love I love your your prayer there too of like I don't even there are things that I'm I did that I don't even know about right so father forgive me it's a biblical model for that sure the book of Leviticus all of it hinges the entire book hinges around chapter 16 which is the day of atonement mm. which God set up, as a day to forgive the people's his people's sins yes. that they did not know that they committed, That's right. yeah, right. So you have this book of Leviticus; it's all about the sacrificial system mm-hmm. and and the law and those things, and it all hinges around this day of atonement where yeah. God says, "I'm going to forgive your sins, even the ones you are completely unaware of." Yeah, man, that is. That's profound. The depth right. of God's willingness to forgive us. Absolutely. And um, so, so yes, yeah, so I loved that. I love that idea of confession that you brought out. Sure. Now, one of the other things that you dialed into within in Matthew's account was this idea of idolatry, mm. and so you you know you noted some different things. Um, right. Often politics can can become a, a quick idol for right. us, where uh, politics aren't bad. We yep. are. I think we should. We should be involved in politics. Yes. Good good governance is important because people are important to God. That's right. Right. So good, just governance, important. Yes. Like be involved in politics. Um vote, you know, according to God's standards, That's you know, right. those kind of things. Yeah. Now, I say that want to caution, right? The church is not monolithic. That's right. Right. We can we can we can agree to say, hey, this problem needs solved. We can agree on the problem we might disagree on the solution. That's right. right? So we got to be very cautious here, you know, and just in that realm as well. But good governance is important because people are important. But too often politics becomes an idol because that's we right. we go, oh, I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Right. The only one that's going to fix it in the end is Jesus. That's right. And we live in a broken age and we yearn for an age to be complete. Yes. That age is coming. It's coming. We're just never going to live in it here and now. Right. Right. So it's always we, the Bible gives us this clear tension about our role in politics. Yes. Um, but that can quickly become an idol right where we can over inflate ourself I- into that what were some other the other examples that you gave us about idols in our lives
1: one of them is just our identity uh, yeah things like things like our identity right now the culture is talking about sexual identity mm-hmm. so yeah making that an idol and yep. getting it distorted and, yeah. and I just think any flavor of sin you know yeah. I, I used a line that I really liked is uh has a Something crept back onto the menu. Yeah. Yeah. And just because whenever we fall, it's usually to the same two or three different ways. Mm-hmm. And we think yeah. that we have it handled and we check the box that everything's good. And then next thing you know, you're like, man, I got sidelined by this thing again. Yep. So whatever it is in your life that has been an idol before, yeah, somehow
0: gets back on the
1: throne yeah. throughout the rest of your life. So yeah. just being mindful of that.
0: Yeah. And I think, and so what an idol is, is that when we put anything in God's place, yes. right? When we begin to see it as our marker of value mm. or the most important thing to pursue, that's right. right? So we are to worship God wholeheartedly. Often, I think it's it's when, we, when we're willing to let the Holy Spirit expose our priorities, mm. that's when he begins to expose if we have idols in our that's lives, right? right? Yeah. And we're all susceptible to them. Uh, I think the way that you talked about it was, um, it, it's sort of this, it's often... For, for Jesus following people, for Christians, it's a creep. Mm. It's not like a, hey, I'm going to make a hard turn right. into idolatry. It's often a well-intentioned creep, you know, yeah. or it's often a creep that we would say is, well, from what from good intentions, sure. right? Yeah. Um, I always call that incrementalism. It's like one little step at a time. Yeah.
1: And if you look back over a period of time, you're like, man, I'm so far from where I was. Yeah. And it happened just one little compromise here and there.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, for me personally, one of mine is often where I need the spirit of the Lord to check me up is uh, that of performance. Mm. I feel close to the Lord when I'm doing things with the Lord. I agree. But that yeah. quickly turns to God, you love me because I'm doing this. Sure. Right. It, it's this it's this quick turn to performance, right. quick turn to legalism, yep. um, you know, quick turn to even manipulation of God. Yep. And what do I actually begin worshiping? My work instead of the creator. Yeah. Right. The giver of work. Right. Right. And, um, and so I need the, I need the spirit and it's, and it's usually, it's never of a, um, a hard turn there. It's a, it's a creep of, you know, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And, you know, God, look at what I'm doing for you and those kind of things. And then, and then the spirit begins to Hey, John. John, fifteen comes back to my mind. Yeah, it's know?
1: it's never with malicious intent, especially being pastors. Like yeah. we need to be doing God's business. Yeah, and that's a noble thing. Yeah, but sometimes we think we're doing God's business, but we're doing our business. Yeah, and that's the danger.
0: Yeah, I think even as dads and husbands, our families mm-hmm. can become idols. Totally, our families are gifts from God. Amen. Right, and yet we can out of this this just genuinely good, and I think godly motivation mm-hmm. to care for our families yes. love our families we can actually make our families our objects of worship yes right our families being together our kids being successful mm-hmm. that becomes our marker of identity our yeah. purpose our our drive our value you know right. and um and yet god says no no your kids are a blessing to you mm-hmm. right uh was uh, proverbs talks about uh It's being uh, like arrows in the quiver of a um, mighty warrior of a mighty warrior, yeah, and um, and so so it's clear, right? These are blessings, but we can quickly turn that blessing into the object of worship. We just have to be so careful of those things. So I agree. I appreciate how you you drew out that idol that idolatrous component, which Mm. for Israel at the time that was a thing. I mean, they come out of Egypt. They, they go, make they golden go calves, right? Back. They want to right? Go right back. They, yeah. yeah, and so all yeah. through the Old Testament, we just see this pattern of struggling with idolatry, but we are not unlike them. Totally. We may not have idols of wood and stone, but we have idols that we raise up in our own lives that That's right. take the blessings of God and make them primary, mm. where it's like, now, the blessing was always secondary. God is always primary. That's right. Yeah. So, That's good, good. good. Um, well, one of the questions that came in here again today was uh, wrestling with this idea in Matthew about uh, a sheep that has gone astray who's in the flock mm-hmm. but needs to be brought back in. Yeah. And so here's a question. Uh, what about a stubborn sheep who doesn't want to be brought back in? Uh, he is willing and able to restore us. God is willing and able to restore us. But what if the sheep is apathetic? Uh, not even necessarily obstinate. So like, not even, no, I'm going to go do my own thing, just, just this apathy. and I think it's something culturally we're wrestling with right sure. now is this sense of apathy. Yeah. Uh, so it's apathetic to restoration. How do we wrestle with that idea?
1: Yeah, I think whenever you become apathetic, you lose the grandeur and wonder of God. Mm. You forget who he is and the things that he's done in your life. Yeah. When you begin yeah. to drift away from that mentally, then you kind of get in this spiritual blah. Mm. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like yeah, And and then you become apathetic and, you know, the grass isn't as green. The sun doesn't shine as much as it used to. My friends aren't really that spectacular. I don't like yeah. the situation I'm in. And then you begin to focus more on you and you and you. Yeah. And you've stopped focusing on God. Yeah. So the way to overcome apathy is always a clear focus on Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's such a. You're, you're so right, Joseph there, right? Of where it's almost apathy really is just this blah, yeah. right? It's kind of like unflavored oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you mm. just have plain oatmeal, it's just blah, it's you know, good. it's not very good. It's not very enticing. It's not very, um, you know, uh, appealing even or satisfying sure. yet. Yeah. God's never that way. He's, right. he's not bland oatmeal. Um, uh, Uniquely, I know in my life, I have found that when I begin to find myself drifting into apathy, Mm -hmm. the actual cure for my apathy is service. Mm. That when I begin to serve other people, I get called out of my apathy. I agree with that. You know? Yeah. And and because in my apathy, what I'm actually doing is making me primary. That's right. I'm making myself and often my comfort an idol.
1: Right. You know? So When we begin to, to focus on serving others and take the focus off of us, God is yeah. able to use that to grow us because yeah. when we serve, we grow. And yeah. whenever we're doing that, that can break us out of that apathetic view and then also begin to put Jesus right back on the throne where we mm-hmm. have that sense of wonder about him. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, how do we pray for—if if there's somebody that's in our lives that— uh, so this question is you know, looking at the, apath- the apathy side of things. If there's a believer in our lives— who is wrestling with the apathy side of things, you know, just feeling sort of blah, what's the point of it all, uh, you, all that kind of stuff. How do we begin to pray for them to help them walk out of their apathy?
1: I think the way that I would approach it is kind of revisit it all the high points of their spiritual life. Mm. One of the things that we can do is we can journal or write yeah. down or remember. Yeah. God always told Israel, like, hey, write this down. This is yeah. a banner. This is an Ebenezer. You're going to want to come yeah. by these stones and remember the amazing yeah. things that I've done. If we don't go back and look at our own life and see all the wonderful works that God's done in them, then we tend to forget. Yeah. So I would probably spend time with somebody and be like, like let's talk about your God story. What has he done with your life? Let's talk about that time that you fell in love with him. And when you were walking with the Lord, what was that like? And then I think that would be a catalyst for like, yeah, God is real. God loves me. He's Mm -hmm. gracious. He's so merciful. Why am I apathetic? It's not a God thing. It's a me thing. Yeah. And then get them to turn their thinking away and put a good view of God back in their mind where they treasure and adore and delight in God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's almost a spiritual mapping. It really right? is, yeah. Where you're creating these. And, I, and, and in the Old Testament, there are so many clear moments where they create, like you said, an Ebenezer. They mm. created a monument. They created right. something physical to go back to. But I want to offer, also offer what a of caution here is that we're not called as Christians to live on the mountaintop. That's right. Often what we can actually um, think that is, is apathy mm. or complacency is just the the normal spiritual life <laughs> right, right? Yeah, the mundane right. what if we're yeah. what if our lives are more like ruth than they were like paul yeah i think that's okay right yeah
1: we don't have to be mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience chasing the spiritual high yeah it could be enjoying god in the everyday rigors of life
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: it should be that way
0: yeah the way i've heard it and said it is like you know ruth ruth even mary and joseph right Mary and Joseph are just normal, boringly obedient people. I like boringly obedient, <laughs> right? And but what does God do? Yeah. What does God do through Ruth and Boaz? Brings line of Jesus, yeah, right. Uh, what does God do through Mary and Joseph? Literally brings the very Savior of the world Amen. into the world. The incarnation yes. of Jesus happens through Mary and Joseph is his earthly his earthly father. Right. You know, and so. Um, but they're not out there prophesying. They're not out there. You know, they don't got. The, they don't have this like killer teaching ministry. Sure. You know, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> um, they're from the wrong side of the tracks. That's okay. And they're just boringly obedient people. So yeah. I think sometimes maybe a word of caution here. What we can, what we can attribute to as being apathetic, mm. is that we're just not on the mountaintop. Yeah. Right. And we had a mountaintop experience, and we think we're supposed to live there. But we don't live there. Right. And I don't think you ever see a character in the Bible who does live there. Yeah. I don't you know? think That's a reality. Yeah. I yeah. think what we see often in the scriptures is this 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 picture of valued, just boring everyday obedience. Yeah. You know? And so but I love the I love the word there of spiritual mapping. Mm. Write the high points sure. of your spiritual life. How has God worked and, and those kind of things. And yeah. and going back and trace them, because if we don't remember, yeah, we will Forget. That's totally it. You know, and so, um, so be praying for people. When we when pray for somebody, um, let's pray for God to begin to bring those memories back to them. Yeah. Right. Pray for 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 the work the the Spirit of God to do a work of God in their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And often maybe to motivate them to get out of outside of themselves and begin right. to serve others. Invite them. Hey, come with me to go serve. Sure. Right. You know, doing that one anothering oh, yeah. um, kind of work. What do we do if somebody is just caught in a pattern of sins, a, a disordered desire, a rebellion, brokenness? They were they were in Jesus. They pro- have a cut kind a of clear testimony, um, but now they're just they're just out and away from the fold, right? Mm-hmm. They're pursuing they're pursuing the desires of the flesh. You know, and not pursuing the 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 fruit of the spirit at all. So Galatians Galatians five and six there, Paul contrasts those. Um, How do we pray for those those people in our lives? I think first just being aware,
1: being aware of of what's going on, and and having a constant communication with God. Yeah. Then I also I think that just having the courage to have tough conversations. Yeah. To be able to go up to someone that you care about and say, Hey, you know, I just I just want to be real with you. Yeah. Like what I'm observing in your life right now isn't exactly God honoring. Yeah. And I think it's okay to, to go the, the rest of Matthew 18 with the, the church discipline aspect of like, Hey, I love you. I'm going to go with you by myself. Yeah. And if you're still not hearing me, I'm going to bring a couple brothers with me because we love you so much. We don't want you to stay in sin. We want you to repent and get out of that. I think that's the approach I
0: would take. Yeah. Yeah. I think we often forget that there are deep blessings in our obedience. Yes. Right. And so, Um, where we go, well, it's not that big of Our sin is not that big of a deal. So it's not that big of a deal for me to let a brother or a sister continue Mm. in sin. Oh, man. Right? And yet we go, no, there's there's significant destruction that comes from sin. It it is a big deal. And there's significant blessings. They may not be physical blessings. Sure. And often I think the greatest blessing of obedience is that of increased intimacy with our Father in heaven.
1: And I think peace of mind. Yeah. Just having this... Peace that it's transcends a, it's our a understanding. Security in yes. our relationship, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Don't shower me with guests. Just give me the peace. Yeah. Like that. that yeah. You can't replace that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Amen to that. So I, I appreciate that, right? And I think is it wrong for us to be praying for God to convict that person?
1: I think yes. God doesn't want His sheep to be astray forever. Yeah. Like he uses people. He uses prayers. He uses mm-hmm. everything in His and his repertoire to, to get the, the sheep back. So yeah. I, th- I think it is okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would just pray that God convicts them without having a conversation
0: with them. Yeah. Like yeah. I would, I we would should probably to- check our motives in that yeah. prayer. right? Sure.
1: Sure. I think, I think it's good for us to be bold, be yeah. courageous and to love people. Well, if yeah. I was in sin, I want someone to have the courage to come up to me and say, Hey, you're totally messing up. And then I would I would respond. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, <laughs> let's do
0: it here on the podcast. All right, here we go. Church discipline. Uh, you're going to hear two pastors confessing their sins to each other. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I think sometimes we can we can feel like uh, when we ask God, should we ask God to convict somebody of their sin? It can feel mean. It can feel manipulative or vindictive. And honestly, if your motives are in that space, it probably is. Right. You don't. But want if to be you though. truly love somebody. Yeah. We do believe one of the roles and works for the Holy Spirit is that of conviction. Totally. That of rebuke. That yeah. of reproof. Mm. But it's never done to just beat beat us down. No. It is always done to build us up. And right? restoration. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so the, so we're called out of our out of our junk mm. and up into the righteousness of Jesus. Amen. Right. Up yes. into the right way of Jesus. Yes. So good. Good. Well, one last quick question here. Um, He comes in. What about being still in the herd, but far from the shepherd himself? So again, kind of drawn into that Matthew side of things. Um, What if we're in the herd, but we're just not, we're not intimately connected with Jesus. How can we, how can we take a step back towards Jesus?
1: I think just recognizing that is the first step. Yeah. Because we can get so busy with life and think that you're with God and you're really kind of far away. So just recognizing that you're not as close as you used to be is, is probably the first step. Yeah. And then it's usually through things like prayer and spiritual disciplines, you know, having quiet time, getting alone with God, getting intimate, like making that time. Yeah. I find that whenever I invest in those spiritual disciplines in my life, that I feel and sense God's peace. Mm-hmm. And then I also sense that I'm
0: close and walking with God. Yeah. So when you say spiritual disciplines, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So reading the Bible, uh, prayer, yeah. Memorizing scripture for mm-hmm. a purpose, not yeah. just like, Hey, I'm going to memorize this verse. It's usually yeah. for something that I'm trying to, to overcome yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah. And then just really being mindful in creation. That's, yeah. that's kind of the outlet that works for me. Yeah. like everything points to creator. Yeah. And, yeah. Knowing the way that I'm wired, I appreciate yeah. flowers. I appreciate a sunset. I'm getting all sentimental on you. Yeah, you are, man. No, yeah, that's He's why I getting love being teary. He's I'm, getting teary. I love being in nature. That's why I love fishing and fly yeah. fishing because it puts you in pristine places that yeah. remind me of God. Yeah. So just knowing things about yourself that can get you closer, so yeah. that you don't become apathetic. Yeah. And so that you don't stray so far away yeah. that you need a rebuke.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. You know. I think you're right there. Engaging those spiritual disciplines. I love that you mentioned Bible memory. That's been one for me. Right when I do feel far from from Jesus, when I'm not in that intimate space with Jesus, I don't feel that authenticity of relationship with Jesus. Well, he feels distant. Right, my relationship with God feels distant. It's it's often then when I start to memorize, and here's one of my favorite passages to memorize. It's just John 15. Mm. Love John 15. Right because it speaks about this abiding remaining sort of not just being in the fold and far from the shepherd, but being next to the shepherd. Uh, That's what John 15 is all about. And just beginning to memorize chunks of that, Mm. or frankly, re-memorize chunks of that, right? So John 15 is one of my go-to passages. Psalm 40 has been one as a go-to passage to memorize uh, for Mm. me, but it is as we do some of those intentional work there. And I always, I was encouraged this way. If you feel far from the shepherd, you don't have to fix all of it. That's right. Just take one faithful step. Yes. One faithful step back towards the shepherd, right? right? And just watch God and experience God's delight mm. in your obedience. Amen. And, yes. and, and then that often one intentional step leads to two intentional steps to three intentional steps. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you know, 30 days later, all of a sudden you're like, man, my relationship with God has never felt so vibrant uh, than it does now. So yeah. Appreciate your word there on spiritual disciplines. Those, those habits of prayer yeah. Reading the word, Bible memorization, um, just contemplative being out in nature. And then even yeah. being in community can be yes. a spiritual discipline. Yeah. I love that point today, too, that you made. You mentioned like we are called to be in, in community. Yes. And uh, we're never called. It's never a solo sport. No, right. Never. So doesn't end well. It does not end well. Well, Joseph, thanks again for preaching this morning, Amen. for encouraging us out of God's word, and uh, and for just hanging out here on the podcast with me. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, and thanks for your questions here today. Uh, we want to make sure that God's word, uh, that we have a dialogue around God's yes. word and wrestle deeply with the things of faith. And so that's what we do here on the Beyond the Sermon podcast. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Catch you next time.